And so we need to, if you will, to the book of Ephesians, what I want to do is I'm going to teach for a few minutes, and, um, and then we're going to receive the offering, we're going to have prayer together. Let me give you a little insight on something. Uh, you know, when I, pr- when I pray and prepare my heart to speak, I not only ask the Lord to, um, to give me the words to say, because that's really important, amen? Uh, Jesus said, uh, the, the Spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. Now, I could get up here and speak all kinds of things in the flesh, but that's not going to change anybody. But if God speaks through a messenger yielded to him, then his life is going out in those words. But I also ask the Lord this. I say, Lord, while I'm standing in front of your people, give me the right countenance. Because, you know, that's important. I need to, if I'm a messenger of his, then I need to reflect. So sometimes he comes on really strong. Sometimes he's very loving and very kind. Um, sometimes he's very sobering and very direct. And I, I just sense today, and, and, and I, ha, I have during worship, do you sense his quietness? And, and for those of us who, I, I like the kind of shout and the, the you know, the, the modern type of worship where there's a lot of noise and a lot of shouting. And that's fine. But you know, sometimes it's in those quiet moments is where we can hear his voice. And church, you and I need to hear his voice. We need to be listening to what he is saying. And so I've asked the Lord, not only help me to, 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 to be the right, to animate me physically in front of your people. Listen to this. I ask him, say, Lord, help me to strike the right tone. What is your mood? Now, he's not moody. We all know that. But he comes to share his state of mind or his, his being to let you know where he is and where he wants you to be. And so today, I really believe like this teaching is going to meet us at a point of need because of where we are, where we are as a nation, where we are as, as a church. And we've been talking about winning, warring and winning, overcoming evil in the last days. All right, you're in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's pick it up in verse 13. And now I'm going to read it to you out of the Phillips translation. And uh, now you'll follow along with me, but I, I love the way um, this Greek scholar has translated these two verses, 13 and 14, Ephesians 6. Now listen to the way it goes. Therefore you must wear the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist evil spirits in its day of power. And when you have fought to a standstill, you may still stand your ground. (laughs) Isn't that good? When you have fought to a standstill, you may still stand your ground. Take your stand then with truth as your belt. Father, I pray for the release of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you'll animate your servant, that, God, that you'll speak through me. Holy Spirit, I yield myself totally. Hide me behind the cross and let me speak and teach your word to your people today. God, there's, there's never been a more critical time for us as a nation and the churches at large to understand the belt of truth, to walk in truth and to know what truth is because you said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So I pray, God, that the words of life would penetrate hearts. Lord, we give our hearts and minds to you and pray that it would be good and noble soil so that when the seed goes in, it'll bear 30, 60, and 100-fold increase And we give you the praise for that. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. And everybody said, amen. He says there, to put on or to take up for yourself the um, belt of truth. I want you to put this graphic up here. I've got a couple that I saw and uh, of kind of giving you the, the, the picture of what the armor looks like. And, you know, if you search it out, you're going to see all different kinds of things. But um, 
As I was studying this about the whole armor of God, first of all, it says, again, put on the whole armor of God. So listen to me, Saint. There is no piece of the armor that God has given to you that is less important or you can afford to not have on. Remember what we said before. We said, well, the Bible says put it on and we don't see anywhere where it says to take it off. But So why is he saying put it on? It is like a soldier that is checking his gear and he's about to storm into the battlefront. He's already got his armor on, but he's checking to make sure, are my shoes buckled? Is my belt tight? Is my breastplate on nice and snug? Do I have my chin strap on tight? Is my sword sharp? In other words, he's checking to make sure, do I have it all on? All right, so that's what the first thing it's saying is that in coming to this, you've got to make sure that you've got it all on. All right, you can't see that from here because um, the, the, the writing, but whoever did this graphic, they put the different pieces of the armor surrounding the warrior. Now, in studying these different Bible teachers and these different writers, I believe that all of them came to the same conclusion, and it's this. Of all the pieces of armor that's important, the one we're about to talk to is most probably the most important. Now that surprised me because if you've been in church very long and you've listened to messages on the armor, a lot of us preachers, we talk about, well, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, that's important, isn't it? Or they like to talk about the shield of faith because it extinguishes. Oh, I, got a great, I found a great graphic for that one. I can't wait till we get to that one. Just hang on. Um, but that shield of faith extinguishes the fiery darts. Are you aware that every piece of armor is a picture of Jesus? That every piece of armor represents an aspect of the work that Jesus has already done. But the belt of truth is the most important in all of this. And can you guess why? Because I didn't know some things that I found out about the belt of truth that I didn't know. Now, you can't really see it there. Um... But if you were to come up to a Roman soldier today, you know, they, 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 they were uh, this, this regal, gallant um, um, armor, this armament that they would wear. I think most of us would probably be impressed with that breastplate. In fact, Rachel, skip, skip on down to that other because I like this one, but I've got one. Skip to that other one. It's kind of got, got a red color to it. Uh, I want you to look at this. Now, it kind of shortened up there. Uh, it it kind of compressed it, the picture. But um, can you see that he's fully dressed? But notice what your eyes are attracted to as you look at him. He's got a beautiful helmet. His breastplate is, is got those bright colors. You see that sword and you see that shield. And your eyes are drawn to it. But somehow in the design and purpose of God, your eyes are not drawn to the belt. The belt on this soldier seems to be the most least attractive and the least useful. But what you're going to learn here in just a moment, that if you do not have the belt of truth on, then every other piece of the armor falls apart. Because what I have found is that the belt of truth is that piece of your armor that holds the rest of it together. Now, I want you to notice this. When Paul begins to address this, this whole issue of the, uh, the armor of God, the first thing that he does is that he goes to the belt first. Do you know why? Because in this case, the belt had to go on before other armaments did. In other words, God is saying, I'm setting before you an order. Church, you are to get your belt on first. It's to go on before you put the helmet on, before you put the breastplate, before you shod your feet. Because it's important because the belt has to be in place first before anything else can come together. Now, you need to understand this about the belt, all right? They, they weren't now, and this, he's got, he's, he, he's, uh, uh, he's got armament on his legs, but if you see a, a normal Roman soldier or your, your common, let me put it that way, common 
fighting soldier, you'll see that they're wearing a skirt. They're wearing a kilt, if you will. They didn't wear britches back then. How many know? How many got a, your uh, your belt on today? I mean, you've got that that belt on. It's holding up your britches. You know, I think we all understand. If if you don't have a belt on, your your britches could come down. All right, and we don't want that happening. Come on, that's a good amen place right there. We don't want that happening. But see, he wasn't wearing pants. What he was he was wearing a skirt. Are you aware that in, it says, one version says, gird your loins. It's the loin belt of truth. Gird your loins, which meant this, their, their, their skirt would hang down to their knees. But when they were going into battle, if their, if their skirt got entangled with their legs or with the, the, the armament that was hanging off of their waist, it would tangle their legs up. And so an enemy could storm them, but they would not be agile. They wouldn't be afraid of it. So what they would do, they would pull their skirt and they would gird it up to free up their legs so that they could be agile in battle. So you see, you understand, that's why this is so important for this to be the first thing that's taking place when we get dressed for battle, all right? Every other piece of the armor of God is invisible. The helmet, salvation, can't see it. Breastplate of righteousness, you can't physically see it. The feet, the, uh, the shield, all of that. Is, this belt, ladies and gentlemen, is the only piece of your armor and mine that you can see. And ladies and gentlemen, may I present it to you now. This is the word of God. And when it speaks of the belt of truth, it speaks of the word of God, which you can see. Now, there are two ways. Put this up. Go to that one. They're, 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 this is the only visible weapon. But the belt of truth is the written word of God, which is the logos. And the belt of truth is also the spoken or the audible word of God, which is a rhema. Now, I'll just say this about truth. The belt of truth refers to the word of God. But how many know the sword of the Spirit is also the Word of God, isn't it? So what's the difference? This, this belt of truth is this Word of God that we look at, that we hold, that we hide in our heart. Uh, it is our anchor for our soul and our mind. But a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is when you're standing toe-to-toe. It's hand-to-hand combat. And remember, we get the picture. I'm not kind of ahead of myself a little bit, but hang with me. Remember Jesus in the wilderness. Satan comes and says, turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? It is written. What happened? In battle, as he's standing face to face with the temptation of the enemy, he didn't necessarily have the physical word, the belt of truth in front of him. What he had was a sword. The Lord handed him a sword in the face of the enemy and he swat him back and said, it is written. The enemy came back again and said, if you're God, or excuse me, since you're the son of God, climb the temple and prove yourself and jump down and then Satan quotes the Bible. But Satan always quotes the scripture to twist it to deceive, which is a difference. You've got to know, you've got to study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can't get it from somebody else. Now, you can learn some things from somebody else, but you've got to get it to you. It's got to get in you. You've got to know it. And, 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 and Jesus says, you know, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then he, the, the devil gives him his trump card, right? says, now see all these things. Took him to an exceedingly high place. Said, all these glory, all the power, all these things that have been given to me that I got in the garden when man fell. He says, these things I'll give to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, you get behind me. It is written. What happened? In the midst of a battle, he was given the sword, but the sword is drawn, listen now, from the belt of truth. So you got to have your belt on so that when you go into battle, because, um, go back to that image again, back there. Uh, I, I learned that on the belt, there are little notches. Do you see that a soldier would carry three different swords into battle? Are you aware of that? You're seeing two there. Now, when I get to that, I'm still kind of ahead of myself. Help me, Lord. 
Each, each sword represented a different type of battle in combat. And, when the, and when, when the soldier came up and he assessed what kind of warfare he was about to go in, he would know which weapon to choose. And so you've got to have the belt of truth around you so that when you go into warfare, you can reach down to your belt and pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the way. Are you getting this? If you don't have it on, then you will not be able to stand against the evil one. Uh, let me just say this too. You see, see how he is arrayed? See that armada that he has on? Uh, uh, some of my military guys, I've heard some of you guys have carried backpacks 90, uh, 120, 140 pounds, hiking long distances. You know, what I've read from what, from what these scholars say is that a Roman soldier like this is possibly, definitely carrying over 100 pounds of armament on his body. Now stay with me, watch this. Do you know what comes before putting this armament on? What does the word say? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, why did God put that first? He could have just said, now, put on that armament and be strong. You're going to need to be strong before you get this on because it's too heavy for you to carry. In order to, to be able to carry this in the battle, you need a strength that's not yours. So the word says you need to be strong in the Lord. And then it goes so that you can take your stand. Oh, child of God, here's what I'm doing here lately. Uh, it said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you work, look at that word encouraged, some other version says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know what I have learned? Sometimes you can't find somebody to encourage you. Sometimes you're hitting battles and you're facing everything seems to be going against you. And I've learned you've got to go and get in his face and say, God, I don't know where my strength is going to come from, but I'm going to find strength from you. And that's what he said to Paul. He said, my, my grace is sufficient for you because Paul, when you are weak, I am strong. How many of you have found that place to where when you're weak, he becomes strong in you? And you, you come out of that and you go, wow. How did I get through that? I don't even know how I faced that battle. There was a strength that I was walking in that wasn't even me. Amen? So, observations about this. I want you to notice on this warrior. Now, yes, in this, this is, this is a full armor suit. It's a full body suit. But your, your common Roman warrior... The breastplate had hooks, so you had a front, you had a front uh, protection, and it also had back in case you were stabbed from the back. Also, you know, the helmet, you can see it there. The helmet would, of course, cover the back of the head. But let me give you a little revelation here, warrior, saint of God, that you need to understand. The armor that we have was never meant to be fought with from behind. The armor that you have only works when you're facing the enemy and advancing against him to take back what he's trying to steal from you. This armor will not work if you turn your back on your enemy. You say, yeah, but it wraps around the back. Yeah, have you ever been hit on the back of the head with a baseball bat even though you had a helmet on? Have you ever been stabbed in the back even though, listen, it can still hurt. Or maybe they can go down and swipe your feet out from under you if you're not watching what's coming up from behind. The armor you and I have does not work when we're in retreat. It is a counteroffensive that when the enemy comes in like a flood, help me, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard against him that, that, that when a weapon is forged against you, it cannot prosper, it cannot prevail because you have a mighty... Listen, when you fight with the weapons that the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given you, you are invincible. You are unstoppable. The only way, let's, let me say this again because I said this last week. The only way the enemy can take you down in battle is if somewhere you give in to him through compromise in your flesh. 
that you do not obey God or you're doing something that you know he's not pleased with, at that point, it's like, it's like the enemy comes up to you and he puts a rent sign on your mind. And he says, okay, you have given me rightful claim into your mind because of what you're doing. I now have a demand. I have a right to come. You have given me through your sin or disobedience or compromise, you have granted me an access code to get to you and I can defeat you through what you've yielded to me through your flesh. But the moment that you put it on the cross and you confess it and you say, God, get it out of my life and now you put this regal armor on, you step up and the enemy cannot stop you. So think about this. This, this, this battle that we're in, it's never, it's never meant for you to ever turn your back on the devil. Never turn your back on the devil. Because you can't trust him. Now, uh, what if what if the devil sneaks up behind you? What if? Because it's it's true in military strategy. There is a thing that's called flanking, flanking the enemy. It's where you distract them on the front, but you send you send an army around behind them and you sneak up behind them. Is that possible? Here it is. The answer is. Yes, it is. It is possible for your enemy to try to flank you. But can I tell you what the Word of God says about that? Isaiah 58 says, listen now, the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to preach. I'm going to encourage myself while I'm talking to you. The glory of the Lord is your rear guard. I I believe the King James says your re-reward. Come on, you say it. It's hard. Re-reward. Say it five times as fast as you can. You'll go right into tongues. Re-reward. It's, it's, your, it's your glory. You say, what's a picture of that? How about the children of Israel who were obeying the deliverance of God coming out of Egypt and here they're faced with the Red Sea. It's impossible. Mo, how are you going to get them across that Red Sea? And then they look around and there's Pharaoh's army charging and they are full of, of spears and swords and on chariots and you got these people who are just carrying their stuff. And you got this, this, this armament of the enemy that's coming from the back and children of God, what happens? They turned around and God set up pillars of fire. Pillars of fire. I believe that it's angels just spinning. Right there, just spinning. Just fire. And Pharaoh's army said, we can't get around these, these, this fire that their God has put up for them. You need to understand when there's an enemy at, coming at you from behind, God puts pillars of fire and says she's my daughter he's my son because they're standing strong in the Lord and the power of his might and they've got armor on I will protect them from behind because when you don't play fair devil I am their rear guard and by the way it wasn't done with that when we talk about rear guard because God will draw your enemy in just to triumph over him just to show you how much he loves you. And guess what happened? They crossed through and read it again on dry ground. I mean, how, how strong did that wind have to be, y'all? I mean, the, not only did the sea separate, but the, 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 the mud on the bottom was dried up. And they're walking across and walking across. And finally, I don't know, that last little little mama or grandmama, uh, Miss Anna, got across and she stepped up on the other side. And they look back and there comes faith. God had let the fire. Do you see what your God's doing? He's saying, okay, Pharaoh's army, I'm going to remove the pillars. All right, go ahead. Have at it. And they're moving into, all right, we're going to get them now. And God says, my glory is your rear guard. And that's what they sang, those Hebrew children. Uh, I will sing unto the Lord who's triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Ha, ha, ha. And they're looking back saying, God, we're doing everything that you know. But, and, but you see, full pursuit, red heart. The, 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 the horses are, 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 are snorting. The soldiers got their ears, but we're coming after him. And God says, draw them in. And then at the moment, God says, boom, close the sea. And it swallowed them up. And God said, see, 
I've got your back. You know, some of you, anybody ever heard of the book Angels on Assignment? Remember that Roland, Pastor Roland Buck? I'll tell you just one story. He had several visitations of angels. He, had, uh, he and his wife had gone to bed one evening and they were upstairs in their bedroom and he was looking out his bedroom into the hallway that went to a stairs that went downstairs. And uh, as he was put, put his head, he looked and he noticed the light was on from downstairs. And he said to his wife, he said, honey, you must have left the lights on because it, there's, there's light coming up from the stairwell. She said, honey, she said, I turned all the lights out. And he goes, well, there's a light on down there. So he gets up and he walks down and he starts stepping down the stairs. And, and uh, the way he described it, it went down and to the left was their living room. And there was a wall there that you couldn't see when you came down. She said when he came down to the bottom step, he turned and he looked into the room, living room and there were two nine-foot angels standing there. And he said, and there was not a light on in the room, he said, but the glory that was coming from them lit the room up. He said the moment that he stepped in, he said there was like a, it was like an aura or like a shield of light. The moment that he touched the shield, he said, and my knees buckled. The power of God, that was, that's why people get slain in the spirit, by the way. When they come in contact with the glory of God, your flesh can't handle it. He, did, they, he, he began to, and he said, one of those angels just reached out with his arms and put it up under my armpits. And he said, and, and he just held me. And he said, and I was standing there. And he said, and I looked down. He said, my feet were not even touching the floor. This angel was holding me up. Come on, somebody. Oh, I want to remind you, you have angels around you right now. Oh yes, you, oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about those who fear the Lord. Anybody in this house fear the Lord? Then you got angels. I mean, I know one, but the word says, surely goodness and truth shall follow me all day. So let, let me introduce you to my angels. Hey, here's mercy, there's truth. Nice to meet you. And so, obviously, Pastor Buck says, well, what are you doing here? And they said, well, the master, is what they called him, they said, the master told us to come and to report to you because we are on assignment. He said, okay, what's the report? <laughs> I got a glory to God. <sighs> they said, we've come to report to you that you have won the battle. And he said, I didn't know I was in a battle. He said, that's right. They said, because we got a secret code from the prince of darkness that had a scheme to take you, your ministry, and your family out. And they said, and the hordes of hell were gathering around to try to take you down. And when we, we interrupted their signal and their chatter in the spirit, the, the, the master sent us out that there was help released from the sanctuary on your behalf. And, that, and, and the angel said, now let me take you over to the window. And their window overlooked their driveway. It was one of those split level kind of things. And, and he pulled the curtain back. Now the angel's still holding him up, by the way. So the angel pulls the curtain back and he looks down and he looks on his driveway and he said, it looked to me to be 40 to 50 angels. And he says, and he said, the way they described it, they were, it's like us at church, you know, when you dismiss, you know, there's going to be a little, little pocket here, people fellowshipping over here, there's going to be a couple over here talking back over here, there's going to be a bit. And he said, they're all just standing in the driveway just kind of like, What's up with you? I don't know. That's a great, that's a great garment you got on those. You've really been grooming your wings. Uh, and he said, they're just kind of going back and forth. And he says, he asked the angel, he said, what are they doing? He said, we've just returned from the battle on your behalf. He said, so we're just coming here. We're en route back to our next assignment. But the master wanted, wanted you to know that the enemy had plans and schemes to take you out but he wants you to know that we are your rear guard and we've got your back. And he says, he says, because, he says, to have fought, to have fought, if I'm getting this right, to have fought a battle and won makes you a conqueror. 
He says, but to have never fought a battle and won makes you more than a conqueror. And then they left. Now, folks, you say, oh, this is all, come on, Bill. What you been smoking? I mean, this is hocus pocus. You got angels coming around. Folks, it's more real than us sitting here in this room. There are things more real. We look at things that are not seen, not at the things that are seen. And understand, we are in a a, a battle and we have been given this armament, these these weapons to fight with. And and God says, "I, I, I guarantee you the victory if you will just trust. So when he says, gird up, the loins or gird yourself up with uh, the belt of truth. He's saying, I I need you to clear your feet up so you can run to the battle so that you can maneuver. When the enemy comes in one way, you can pivot because your feet, you're not all tangled up with this world. You're not all tangled up with sin and compromise. You see, you got the belt of truth and you're walking in truth and you rightly divide the word of truth and, and the truth makes you free so you're not in bondage. Amen. Know your armor. First of all, the armor, the whole armor is custom fit. Remember David, he put on Saul's armor, but he couldn't fight with it because it wasn't custom fit. The Holy Spirit has an armor that's custom fit just for you. Can you see, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe the Lord, when you became a Christian, he sent an angel for over to, that was tailor, the tailor and pulled out the, the tape measure and says, mm-hmm, he's about this tall. Don't measure my waist, angel. You know, and he, he, what size helmet do we need to get for you? Do you understand that, you know, you soldiers, you know that when it's time for, for battle, you go to wherever and they issue what? They issue your weapons. At the point when you were a Christian, God says, first of all, you're seated with me in heavenly places. All the promises of God are yes and amen. In other words, you, you know who you are. This is who you are. You are my child. You're seated with me. I'm above all that. Second, he said, I want you to walk in worthy of your calling. I want you to walk in love. I want you to walk in wisdom. I want you to walk in the light as he is in the light. And now he says, he brings this place. And now we're going to be confronted with evil. We're going to be confronted with warfare. He says, now I'm going to issue these weapons. And the first thing that I want you to put on, I want you to put on that belt plate because it's, it, that, that, excuse me, that um, belt of truth because it is your, um, uh, your armament. There is also an order, secondly, to the priority of dressing uh, for what the battle is going to be. And third, there is a purpose and design for um, for what that belt of truth is. Now, what does the belt of truth protect? All right, now, you, obviously it protects the waist, isn't it? But more specifically, church, you know what the belt of truth covers? You know what it protects? Your mind. Your mind. Listen to the preacher this morning. Of all the places where your, your adversary, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Of all the place where the enemy is trying to attack you and trying to bring you down, it's in your mind. If it's sickness in your body, yeah, because he can attack us with sickness, but what happens to your mind? God, why am I sick? Why am I going through this? Your mind starts, well, I must not have enough faith. Or, or God wants me to go. And see, all of a sudden, now you're starting to have these thoughts because of sickness. Well, I'm going through depression. Well, where's God? Well, all of a sudden, your mind starts playing. If you do not have your mind girded with truth, the enemy's going to be able to get to where you are. You've got to learn to protect your mind. Oh, turn with me to 1 Peter and look at this. 1 Peter 1.13 because it addresses it. 1 Peter 1, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Ah, there it is. Gird up the loins of your mind. Child of God, are you hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today? That this belt of truth was meant to go around your mind. You've got to gird up your mind to be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, in this warfare, in this attack on our minds, he is saying, I want you to gird up your mind so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you won't be deceived. 
You won't get tricked. You won't allow your own carnal mind to out-debate you. It's like our minds, if it's not removed, listen, renewed, listen to me, your little... It's like a little lawyer up there in your mind and it's standing there telling you what the word of God does not say and it's trying to say something that God didn't say. Maybe something somebody spoke over you. Maybe something you're walking through and that thing is standing right up in your face and lying up one side and down the other. And listen, if you do not know how to put this belt on, if you do not know how to confront lies and deception and things that would corrupt your thinking, then he, he gets access into your thinking. That's how he's gonna bring you down. The devil cannot defeat you if he can't get in your mind. I'm gonna say it again. The devil cannot defeat you if he cannot get into your mind. So, it says this. God says, um, I'm gonna send out 12 spies, right? He said, no, they're gonna go in. And they're gonna go into the promised land, right? Your mind is like the promised land. Stay with me now. Your mind is like the promised land. You've been promised peace, church. You've been promised a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Come on, somebody help me. But of love and of power and of a sound mind. Oh, have y'all heard this doctor on TBN? She's been on Daystar too, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Man, she's, she's some kind of neuro something pathologist. I mean, she's like this brain expert, but she's also Holy Ghost filled and knows the word of God. And she's blending these to the blow in my mind of talking about what that means. To have sound of mind means that you think the way you feel and that you also express yourself the way you really are and you don't try to hide and be double-minded because she says that will produce sickness inside your body. I mean, just come in as a man thinketh in his heart. Dr. Rodden, I'm looking over that way. So is he that your greatest enemy is not necessarily the devil who's trying to come at you. It could be your own mind and the way you're thinking. Hey, it could be your stinking thinking. It could mean that you need a checkup from the neck up. And, and, and now what happened? The 10 went in and they came back with an evil report. But the two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and what they say? Oh, we are well able. Hey, child of God, I want to say to you today, we are well able. And they said, did you see the size of those grapes? My goodness. Did you see how beautiful, it was a land flowing with, did you see all that? They saw the promises of God in the promised land and that's all they talked about. And God said, mm, I like the way you're thinking. Because you're seeing what I said. You're seeing what I promised. But the 10, all they saw were the giants. And it said that they brought back an evil report. Now watch. And it said, surely we're not, we are surely not able to go up against this, this people in this land because there are giants in the land. And this was very revealing and you need to hear this. They said, for we are as grasshoppers in our eyes and so we were in their eyes. Do You see, they didn't have the belt of truth on Child of God, you better hear what the preacher's saying to you. The moment that you let yourself be identified by what your enemy says about you, you have given into his schemes. You never define yourself by what your enemy says about you. In fact, if you'll study it real hard, whatever the devil says about you, actually the opposite of true because he is the father of lies. And so when he comes with that frontal assault, I've learned, oh, hold it. Something's going on bigger here than this fight I'm going on. There's, there's actually a big promised land behind of what this giant's trying to protect. And so we gotta have this belt of truth on, amen? Amen? All right, the purpose, let, let, let me wrap this up. The purpose for girding yourself with the belt of truth, number one, it is to set things in their proper order. Yeah, we've got to get onto the breastplate. We've got to go onto that helmet and that sword. But if you see his order here, he's saying, if you're going to put on this belt, church, you've got to start with it first. It comes first because, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this. Remember we showed you? There are little loops on that belt, not only to put those swords in, but do you know that there was a loop on there to hold that shield up in case it got too heavy? Do you know, again, 
that that belt connects the other pieces so that it makes you effective in battle. So if you fail to properly put on the belt of truth, you're going to be at a disadvantage when you go into hand-to-hand combat. Secondly, the belt of truth creates a balance to balance the center gravity, a core of gravity. How many of you know, if you, you know football or gymnastics or anything, it's, it's, that, it's that core, it's that inner core. That's why you see these soldiers, you know, they're doing a lot of uh, setups and they're strengthening that core. What is that that the ladies do? Uh, Pleiades or Pilates? <laughs> that. Pilates. And it's all about strengthening that core because, listen, what you learn is that if your core is strong, all the rest of you comes into alignment and you're strong all the way through. So God says, I'm going to put a belt around your midsection because I need your core to be strong so in case any extremity is shaken or knocked off balance, you're saying, I've got a center of gravity. You can't knock me down because I'm centered on the truth. Oh, by the way, let me just say this too. The belt of truth is the most important piece of armor for a church. I want to go ahead and say this. A church that builds itself on praise and worship is building it on the wrong thing. Is praise and worship wrong? No. A church that builds itself on small groups is building itself on the wrong thing. A church that builds itself on a beautiful building or on their programs or, or uh, I don't know, on their, their social events. You know, Maybe they got big concerts and they got the big speakers coming. If you build any church on that, you're building it on something else than what God said to build. You want to know what God wants his church to be built on? Ready? Here it comes. Get ready. Wait for it. You know what I'm going to say. The Word. Any church that's not established on the Word of God is out of balance. It is the very foundation of how He wants His church to be built. Thirdly, it's the, it gives the soldier the greatest mobility in battle because remember, he's girding up his mind. He's girding up his loins. Next, it's to rightly divide the Word of Truth. A workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Oh, church... Don't we need that, Lord? You heard of this, this, this well-known pastor and speaker who had done videos. It was going all over. Um, everybody was really following this man. And then about three years ago, he came out with a book called Love Wins to where he was saying that he has now embraced the doctrine of nobody goes to hell, that everybody goes to heaven. Now, every, there, there were millions of people following this preacher, Hey, let me ask you, Christian, if a man gets up and says, well, I have found out either nobody's going to hell because love will eventually win or those who go there that God will eventually evangelize them and win them, what happens to your spirit? What goes off inside of you? Come on, I need a little help here. The word of truth inside of you, all of a sudden what happens? A red flag. Wait a minute, hold it, hold it. That's not what the word of God says. Why? Because the word's in you. And now the word is a sharp double-edged sword it discerns and it pierces and it divides and it helps you to understand wait a minute I, I just heard something that was counter to what I know to be true I'm going to rightly divide the word of truth you better get your belt on you better have your belt on so when it's out there you won't fall away or be led astray it renews your mind the next thing it renews your mind and the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of your mind and then as I've said last but not least here it, its function is holding it all together. Uh, it brings it all together so that the whole armor fits in place. I want you to close up your Bibles and we're going to receive the offering here in just a moment. We're going to pray and, uh, and minister to the Lord and let him minister to us. I want you to, hey, uh, somebody go back there and get Pastor Ben and Samuel and tell them I want them to come on up here. There's Samuel. Come on up here to the platform. Uh, by the way, I love the songs that they chose this week. I don't know who, who picked the list, but uh, they were, were just perfect for what we needed today. And then I want uh, David. Uh, is it Nate? Grab David back there when you go. Uh, David and uh, Kim to come up here because we want to pray for them. Do you receive the word of the Lord today, yes. church? I want you to be encouraged. Church, I need for you to be encouraged. Challenging times. Challenging times mean you and I got to go a little deeper. We've got to reach down to something deeper. I'm having to reach down inside of me in places I've never 
had to go that far before. I'm having to trust God in spite of outward things. And I need for you to stand together with us. I need for you to not buy into what the enemy's trying to do. Because listen, when I tell you our best days are yet ahead, that's not just hype. I'm staking my life on it. I'm staking our ministry on it. Yeah, you may see the death of a dream, and I may see it, but God will see to it that it's raised from the dead. And then when it happens, everybody will be able to say, God did it. God did it. God did it. But you got to hold on. I need for you to not have a long face. I need for you to grab yourself by the britches if you're discouraged and don't walk. Because if you're discouraged, you're not walking in the Spirit. Did you hear me? If you're, if you're, if you're hopeless or you're discouraged, you've not grabbed hold of Him yet. You know, I was, just want to stand and say... Um, you know, this week I went over to, to Pastor Greg DeVries. He had a conference over there. And, um, you know, I went over and said, God, I need a word from you. I need for you to speak to me. Come on, Pastor. Come on. And uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail except to say God knew exactly what this pastor needed. Sometimes you got to get you outside of the city so you can hear and it was such an encouragement. I, I, I came back. It was Friday, Friday when that happened. Folks, I came back so encouraged. I came back so, and, 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 and I am now. So I'm standing in front of you saying I'm encouraged. You're going to like some of the things. We're making some changes. We're not, as, as the prophet said, we've gotten to four years now, and we've noticed some structural changes. We're noticing things need to be reordered and set in place. We're, we're adding more transparency for anybody who may have questions. In other words, because listen to me, that's got to go away. If you're focusing on that, listen to me, you're looking at the wrong thing. We need to be looking at Him. There are souls out here dying and going to hell, and people are looking at other things. I'm trying to plead with you and beg with you, get your eyes off of problems, off of your problems, off of things. Let's get our eyes off on Him, and let's get His heart beat because he loves this church he loves this city and he needs us to be his hand extended listen we need the belt of truth we need to put it on so that we can rightly divide the word of truth so that we can know where we're walking and and our minds renewed we're being transformed because every day we get up we check that buckle is it buckled Is, is it tight have I girded up the loins of my mind so I can see, I can think clearly. I need to have a sound mind. Can you stand together and let's pray. And then I'm going to have you come forward to bring your offering as we do on the first Sunday of the month. It's to bring your offering. Psalm 96, 8 says, Give glory to the Lord. Give Him the glory due His name. And bring before Him an offering. So, as you do so, and what I like about this, of course, I also like to, I, I like to get hugs from you. I'm just going to go ahead and confess that. I stand here in the hugging line and get as many as I can. But look, at me, there's something in your psyche. There's something in your mind when you step out and you're walking toward this cross. It's so easy to drop the offering into the plate and kind of just forget about it. God wants you to know what you're doing is a form of honor. It's a proof of honor that you're coming saying, Lord, I'm bringing you the first fruits. I'm bringing you the tithe. I'm bringing you an offering today because I want you to be honored with my life. And the moment, listen now, the moment that your offering leaves your hand, look at this. The moment that your offering leaves your hand and goes into God's, first of all, it's no longer yours. It's His. Secondly, the moment that it hits Him, everything He promised you about His giving, it activates Him. He says, now I'm going to pour you out blessing. Now I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Now because you gave to me, I'm going to give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. So that's why we come to give today. 
So I want you to activate the promises of God for you. Everything that he said, I want you to come and obey him in the offering. Come on, honey, let's pray. I want to pray a sower's blessing on you. And then you guys are going to sing over us a little bit. Y'all, you singers, come on up too. And uh, let's get ready to, to, to worship the Lord in giving. Father, you so loved the world that you gave, you gave your only begotten Son. So, Lord, we want to mirror your hand today. We want to give back to you the way that you've given to us. Lord, we, we, can't, we can't pay you back. We can't earn your love. It's, it was an event. You, you've already loved us. But, Lord, you set up a system, a kingdom economy, that, Lord, when we activate it through obedience and faithfulness, that you release from heaven because of what was released on earth. And Lord, we understand today that, uh, Lord, you don't need our offering. Lord, you own the cattle of a thousand hills, the gold and the silver under the hills. You don't need our offering, but what you do need is our obedience. So that, Lord, you can get to us what you want to give us through our giving. So I pray for the release of everything. I pray a sower's blessing on everybody in this house right now. That the word says that when you give, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing that you'll not have room to receive it. And that he will rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. I pray over every household right now that there would be a blessing on your finances. I pray for monies that belong to you would be released to you through your obedience. I pray for court cases, settlements, inheritances, and estates that justly belong to you will be released to you. I pray over every single person, every single parent, uh, that your God is Jehovah Jireh, and our God, my God, shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you today that you would bless businesses, bless the companies we work for, put a Joseph blessing on us, on every entrepreneur, every inventor, every self-employed person. I pray an extraordinary, uncommon blessing on them today. And Father, I thank you that, Lord, as we give, you said it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Father, we ask you for this in Jesus' name. Now, 